0: No, oh, oh, no, 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 no.
1: That's the guy. Um,
0: oh, the pastor?
1: No, uh, the conservative guy who was talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene.
0: Mm. From a whore! <laughs> it's like, you know, when somebody who's not used to saying quote-unquote bad words pulls out their worst word. Yeah. And their voice gets loud like that. Their modulation goes all crazy. Yeah. Um. I bet there are some bad words that he would say without changing his inflection (laughs) that probably roll right off the tongue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have a lot to get to. Should we jump into it? Lord have mercy. I'm about to bust. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So I feel like we we need to start with Paul T. Goldman. Yeah. Um, A show that you got me to watch. I had heard mixed things, and I loved the rehearsal from last year, but right. it, it's brutal for me. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for me to watch shows like that. So when I heard Paul T. Goldman is really focusing in on one guy, and you know how much is real, how much is fake, he's very self-deluded. I resisted, but you told me you'd watch three episodes at the time. You're like, Mm -hmm. you're like, it's really good. So I watched three over the course of like a week. It took me a while. Mm -hmm. And then I just binged the rest. Mm -hmm. So it just finished this last Sunday. Right. Oh, happy Oscar nomination day. D D Mega Doo Do. <laughs> Pretty much. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. <coughs> are they still
1: going. doing the um we're trying to get the normals in by nominating Marvel movies? They nominated Top Gun Maverick
0: for everything everywhere all at once. Well was, like sweeping.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, everyone seems to have loved Top Gun.
0: Yeah, Top Gun is good. Again, (coughs) I, I feel like it exposes me more than anything else. But I'm the one who's like, everything, everywhere, and Top Gun three and a half stars. Like, okay, they're fine. Uh You know, Um,
1: what did uh, Glass Onion get nominated for?
0: (laughs) Glass Onion got um, my best mind eraser. <laughs> the best movie that didn't really happen. Yeah. The the collective um uh imagining manifestation. That's where I was like Glass Onion has the 10 minutes I
1: watched of Glass Onion has convinced me that I've never seen a Ryan Johnson movie. <laughs> Ask me what I think of any of Ryan Johnson's movies. What do you think of
0: any of his movies? I
1: haven't seen them. Not one? Nope.
0: Or if I start naming movies that don't exist? Not a single one. Um, well, I like them. So there. <clears throat> I also am somebody who... You're wrong. ...watched Glass Onion through the eyes of my son. I loved
1: it. Oh, he watched it? Mm-hmm. Glass Onion is... Well, I guess I can't say I haven't seen it. I've only seen ten minutes of it, yeah, but that first ten minutes is and it's an s n l sketch like acting wise, writing wise it is literally man
0: watching that and then having watched Babylon, mm-hmm. I will say there's a frantic kind of character introduction in both movies. That's very hard to pull off. It's like the equivalent of being at a party sober, where everyone is drunk, mm-hmm. and you're just watching these people going for it. Right. And you just can't get in there. You can't find your way right. in. You're
1: you're you're missing the frequency somehow.
0: And and that was Kate Hudson in Glass Onion, where she's like the she's at a party. It's like fast talking. She's yeah. did, she doesn't know what's going on and. And uh, you're just like, man, you need to calm down Babylon. Babylon, I think, is much more successful than it, but it definitely has that frenetic pace where you're just like, you're either on the wavelength or you're like, this this needs to get mm-hmm. over with quick. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, so back to Paul T. Goldman. What did you – you, what are your thoughts? We kind of were having a conversation midway through about – Mental illness, levels of how 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 sinister, how deluded is this guy? Right. It, it how yeah, how um malicious is this guy? Mm-hmm. Um where do you come out on that after now that the show's over?
0: I come out largely on your side. Mm-hmm. I think that he is a man who has been kind of tricked by a lot of people in his life, but I'm still like 25% right and I I will just point to the letter he wrote to Diane 25
1: to Diane's family. Family. 25% right in that it's
0: in that he's malicious. And and that he's like mm-hmm. he's he's malicious and and there is something to me like more than any other character. You get to the end of these shows and movies or whatever and there's an element of what is, who is this person from this moment forward? Mm-hmm. You have like the Joe Schmo show, where you're like, oh, this guy is just a solid dude. You know, whatever he does after this, he's gonna be like pleasant and nice, and he's just gonna be like he he's gonna be like it was on the show. Mm-hmm. With people like Tommy Wiseau or Paul T. Goldman, you get the idea that yeah, if in a year from now. Paul T. Goldman comes up in a headline of, like, Paul T. Goldman yells racial slurs, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and is, like, dis- destroying public property. You're like, yeah. That's, the N-word. Yeah, that's that could be him. Right. You know, you definitely get the sense of, like, I love the product, but I still don't fully trust or love the man. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those people that <clears throat> I feel bad for on the sense that, if I was Jason Walliner or like even Seth Rogen who produced the show, mm-hmm. and there's a clip where he appeared on a late night show with Paul T. Goldman, mm-hmm. where you get the sense that they are gonna stop returning his phone calls. Right. You know, mm. pretty shortly after they've wrapped on this.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know about that uh, from the Jason Walliner side, just because he's been wor- they've been working on this for like ten years. Yeah, but
0: to me, it, it also revealed these things are always going to be subject to the criticism of exploitation mm-hmm. because you have to do it in an exploitative manner um, for it to work. So, like, Jason Walliner has to keep it hidden what his show is mm-hmm. from Paul T. Goldman until the premiere. Right. He has to do that. He cannot bring him in at any other point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exploit that and that potentially Absolutely.
1: I, I agree. It also says something to Paul Goldman's character, which basically the whole show is about. Is is about this point, is that he can film something for ten years and not realize what's that he's not actually filming his own series. Right. For 10 years, they were actually making a documentary about him. And somehow for 10 years he missed that that's what was happening. Well and he honestly thought that they were making multiple series that he's written.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you <clears throat> want there to be a talking head after that reveal. But I don't know that there is. Like I want a timestamp of any time he's talking after they show that scene. Because after the big reveal where he's like, I I understand why you did what you did. Mm -hmm. That's me up there. And he really is gracious in that moment. And I think that's- How do you think that's a real moment? Okay. Well, what what I was going to say is then his big speech where he's like, I took my moment. He's doing voiceover for Caesar. It seems like probably <laughs> right. his dog, sh- is animated uh, The
1: animated dog show. Yeah.
0: And he responds to a question by Jason Wollen or whatever, like, why'd you have to do this? And he goes on this big, long thing of like, I had to, I had to take my chance. I had to do this, um, that he's saying that in the context of still thinking that he's getting all of his projects done. Mm-hmm. He's not saying that after seeing the finished product, right. he's saying that because he thinks I'm doing five shows. Right. Yeah. The the other emotional beat where he shows his father footage, it's from what he thinks is the completed mm-hmm. show. Jason Woliner doesn't let him show a scene with his father where Paul T. Goldman is caught in a lie, mm-hmm. or where he's like talking to somebody off camera. You know, he lets him show his dad. This fake thing that's still fake, that
1: still nobody has seen. That his dad knows is fake, just from the, like, 30 seconds that he's seen. Maybe he doesn't know it's fake, but he knows that, like, this is not...
0: Well, he doesn't know it's fake because then then Jason Wolliner is like, do you love your son? Are you proud of him? And then he's like, Paul, do you love your dad? Like, he's getting that moment. Yeah,
1: but what I'm saying is you can see the dad while he's watching that scene, and you can see that the dad
0: recognizes that this is... Terrible. Well, look at what Paul says right after that. Paul says, "Oh, Dad, yeah, we've also started filming The Chronicles, and they're gonna make five of them <laughs> right. Like like he goes into yeah. he immediately wants to get past the emotional stuff because he's traumatized, right yeah. by his childhood. and he immediately starts pitching his dad. They're doing all these other shows. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's this extended period where Paul T. Goldman is the one outside, right? Everybody else is on the inside, and you just have to hope that when it's revealed, the person responds the way that he does. Mm-hmm. But you could see a response where they respond like, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was making five shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I checked in on his Twitter right before we started
1: recording, and he seems happy about where the show Ended and where he's at. I think, like you said, there you can't, the premise itself is exploitative and you can't do something like this in a non exploitative way to a certain degree. I guess that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, um, but I don't think it's great. And that moment where he's in the theater with his son and realizing that this whole thing is kind of uh i mean at best it's not what he thought it was is a is a kind of is a gross makes you feel gross it makes you feel bad you know what i mean like he's everybody is laughing at him i would imagine that has to feel ter- absolutely terrible <clears throat> To you, be at the as soon as it starts, you're at you're literally you're it's your dream. This this show you're premiering a show for people. That is literally your lifelong dream. And 15 minutes into it, you realize, oh, this whole thing has kind of been a joke on me, and now everyone's actually laughing at me.
0: You know what I mean? And that's a terrible moment. I, I, absolutely. And you you have with um Number one, I think you have the perfect, weird setup of family members, right? Like Johnny, mm-hmm. his son, also seems to be like, yeah, I let my dad know he's goofy and easygoing and not thinking too hard about mm-hmm. this whole project, right? And then his ex-wife and all that. That you, you wonder, like going back to what you said where you're like, was that a real moment at the end? It feels scripted in how perfectly balanced everybody is that's involved in this, because you could also see a reaction where, like, fine, Paul T. Goldman quickly comes around on the project, but his son is like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. That's my dad. Like, mm-hmm. why would you, you know, why would you put the Obama... not?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just so it's so goofy and silly, and um, makes him look like such a rube, you know? right? What I'm curious
1: about, what I'm cur- what I'm most curious about, is that specific moment where he pulls Jason Molener aside after the premiere, and it's the confrontation about this is not what you told me. It was going to be. It's not what I thought it was going to be. It's not what I signed up for. And then he has this moment of clarity where he realizes. Um
0: that's me up there. That's all my flaws. Right. It's
1: It's just. It's true. Right. It's just who who I am. It's just is whatever. And it it just is is, it's, it's is so perfectly nails like the best version of what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. that. It feels fake to me. It feels like it has to have been fed. And it is also like we were just saying, this guy is unusually not insightful, Mm -hmm. unusually unaware of what's going on around him. Mm -hmm. And then you're telling me at this moment where he's experienced maybe the worst, um, sort of con of his life at this point. Maybe not financially, but you know what I mean? Emotionally, maybe. He's all of a sudden having this grand revelation. You know, it just felt weird.
0: I lost my train of thought on my last point. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say is I feel like Jason Walner sets up that moment of revelation and sets up the whole ending mm-hmm. with the focus group scene. Where he makes that's true. Yeah, he makes Paul T. Goldman listen in on the focus group where mm-hmm. seemingly everybody around the table's like, "He was ugly and I hated him. All He's right. stupid. <laughs> He's a bad actor." Yeah, that was brutal to watch, yeah. and I do feel like that to me feels like Jason Walliner, Walliner trying to address the exploitation of it all. Sure. Yeah. By being like. I gave him ample like exposure to reality throughout this thing, mm-hmm. you know. The other thing that's interesting with that end scene is how Jason Walliner is like edited through it. Mm-hmm. Cuz he's just silent the whole time. Well, he
1: he's like that most of the time, yeah. Yes,
0: but specifically at the end, you get the sense of almost um, like I I got the feeling of almost like a like a like a child being scolded mm-hmm. where he's just like you can tell if it's real, I feel like his approach going is probably like, I'm going to take whatever's given to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just ready for it. I'm ready for him to hate me and yell and scream. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a moment, and I and I want to know Jason Walner a little more, because he there's a moment in that where I'm also like, okay, Paul T. Goldman's coming around. Can you, like touch him on the arm? Can you give him anything <laughs> sure. right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. there was like, it's like the last 45 seconds before it ends in a hug, like he does hug Paul uh-huh. T. Goldman, where I'm just like, how at this point in this conversation are you not like comforting this dude? Yeah. How are you not like accepting him now and like, hey, I can see that you've, you're coming around, let me help you a little bit. Because <clears throat> Paul T. Goldman is obviously a very emotional person who like, needs that connection. Mm. And you could just see, like, J- Jason Wallner is not, <laughs> he's not, not in his, yeah, like... Not in his repertoire. In his re- repertoire. And either that's, like, him being himself, or he's, like, going to allow the scene to play out as long as it can before he's going to interrupt it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so, so going back to my first question, do you not see, like, Paul T. Goldman... Is a person that you could see calling Jason Wallner and and um
1: <clears throat> Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Riley Reed. They're going through when they're going through the tweets, you didn't see that? Oh. It's scrolling through. He yeah. literally just has hundreds yeah. 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 of <laughs> tweets, the exact same tweet, where he's like, Hey, make my story or whatever. And it's like Porn stars, actors, directors, Jason right. Walliner.
0: So so you're, you're telling me like he's not then going to be like, hey, Jason, we've got at least one show here. Let's go for it.
1: Oh, after it's over, you mean.
0: Right. And that Jason mm-hmm. Wallner's is not going to be like, no, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with this. I, yeah, I don't
1: necessarily see the I'm done with you thing. But, yeah, I can't imagine they're, they are – Uh, any longer entertaining the idea that he can actually make a show.
0: Do you think he is, though?
1: Probably. I mean, that's his deal. I I think he's going to be that way until he dies, whether he gets a show or not.
0: It's like Tommy Wiseau, right? Yeah. Where you feel like, I feel like his story is even darker, though, where I think people swooped in to, like, make money off of him. Mm -hmm. And then I think he truly is, like, Done, you mm-hmm. know um and i that, that's the second level where you're right i don't know these people and i can just trust and hope that they do have the best intentions of like that he's a true friend to them and they're gonna be like responsive mm-hmm. there's a little little voice in the back of my head maybe this reveals more about me where yeah. i think that yeah, i would be, i could just see somebody being like Aldi Goldman, Block. Right, block, yeah. Silent. No,
1: I don't, I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, but, you know, just from what I've... I've, you know, listened to Jason Wallner over the years because he he's on the best show. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all the time, but him and his whole family call into the best show all the time. Um, but, yeah, I, I, overall, I thought it was a great show, amazing. I think it's probably the best the best version of you the best version that you can have of this sort of of the sort of nathan fielder uh territory where it does feel like ultimately it was celebration is like a lame word mm-hmm. but whatever representation of paul goldman's life paul finkelstein's life whatever his real name is Um, but you do still have those elements of like, this is part of this is gross, like inherently gross. You can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, also he's, and you know, this is part of what makes us interesting story. Interesting. Right. If you just told it about just a regular person, you wouldn't have these elements, but yeah. Coming up with this grand conspiracy about your ex-wife and her boyfriend being international sex traffickers and then not ruining those people's lives but like publicly besmirching them or whatever and then the the one thing that um I actually th- I wasn't sure if they were trying to make a connection to it or not but wait a minute may I might be Mixing things up.
0: <laughs> With glass
1: onion? Her his ex-wife's parents.
0: Murder suicide.
1: Okay. And they that actually happened.
0: Yeah, and he through his psychic accused his ex-wife.
1: Right. But not too long after that, they they also start they also start exploring that letter that he wrote mm-hmm. anonymously or under some he uh, threw, pseudonym. Hold
0: on. That, he threw away the key. Right? Remember, he's like, "I he made sure this would tracked. I wrote it on a
1: typewriter. And I threw, threw, away, threw the away the typewriter. The typewriter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but he sends this letter to her parents about how their daughter is like an international sex trafficker or whatever. Yeah, that's. And I happened. wasn't sure if they were trying to connect those two things.
0: And and he sent. Okay, But yeah, he's know, done some gross stuff. He sent pictures like of his ex-wife that he clearly took of her and put them in that letter mm-hmm. that then he sent to her parents. Mm-hmm. And they showed you two pictures. Paul T. Goldman also doesn't strike me as somebody who wouldn't have like put a full nude of his <laughs> right. ex-wife in there and sent it to her parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I feel like with a character like this too, there's always going to be... Elements of them that you're going to have to sand off anyway, mm-hmm. because he's not again, like we talked about trying to identify how malicious he is versus naive mm-hmm. and with a character who's going to support a eight episode show. How many episodes were there? Seven. Seven. You've got to blur the six. line of that. Six mm-hmm. you 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 can't have somebody who's just like here's a here's a naive fool mm-hmm. for six episodes. They've got to have more to them and he he was not below like trying to ruin people's lives with accusations, baseless yeah. claims, false letters, truly like revenge porn stuff again if we those two pictures were at least his, his ex-wife was in a compromised position. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I, I do feel like ultimately I agree with you. I think that this is a fantastic show. I think any show like this is going to have elements that are exploitative and it's only based on how the people executing the show can balance that for you. Mm-hmm. And Another thing they'll say in their favor that I really like that they did is they employed a lot of, like, real actors. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And I think, for me, the reason they would do something like that is they're not going to lose anything. Mm-hmm. They can come in and help Jason Wallner with this project and not be like, oh, this is my big break. I need this. Like, all the actors are, I recognize, mm. you know? So... I feel like that's another way to kind of balance out that ex- exploitation um, because you're getting people who don't need these shows to work out. They can just pop in, help out, and then pop out, and they're, mm-hmm. they're fine. Yeah. I'd feel a lot worse, I guess, if it was just 15 people who I had no idea who they were, and you imagine that at least some of them might share Paul's delusion. One of them does, right? The lady who's playing his... The Russian lady? Yeah, the, the, the Russian lady.
1: That was another thing that I think probably um, aligns with your thoughts on him being dropped after the show's over. There's a lot of time in the show given to the actors and supporting cast, like behind-the-scenes time, going out of its way to like show... How much they believe in Paul and how much they like him and da-da-da. And uh, some of that to me definitely feels like... Like if if his 70-something-year-old dad can watch 30 seconds of the show and be like rolling his eyes, then I know the people on set playing the parts are not... uh, are not that in on Paul's vision or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's a little, uh. yeah, again, that's part of the grossness of it, I guess. Yeah. Is, is part, is you, there's an element, there has to be a huge element of stringing somebody along if you're going to do something like this for 10 years. Uh,
0: Anything else? So to transition into The Last of Us.
1: Show that is a complete disgrace to the entire Scooby Doo universe.
0: <laughs> that just kept going. Uh huh. <laughs> do you say a show that's a complete disgrace to the Scooby Doo universe? What show is he talking about, Velma? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what do you? The the one thing watching Paul T. Goldman, and then immediately going to the last of us made me think about it, is like, why do you, what do you look for in TV when you watch?
1: Mm. Hamburger. <laughs> I don't know. I guess uh, just, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Cause um, I have some, s- some thoughts along the similar lines about the last of us. But in terms of what do I look for, I don't know. Just, you know, to be entertained. You know what I mean? Just looking to pass the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess when I'm, when I, like, in the, like, like, uh, gut, gutturally, what I'm looking for, yeah, it's just something that's going to hook me and give you that feeling of, like, man, I just, I just want to watch one more episode. Right. Um, which we're, we are watching something like that right now, uh, that it's Justin recommended the on The Besties.
0: Um, hold on. He's watching Andor? No. He did recommend Andor.
1: The Traitors. It's a new reality show. It's, it's a basically
0: new... Mafia, right? Or P- Werewolf?
1: Yeah. I never played Alan those games, Cumming but yes. Mm-hmm. Is... It's really good. It's just a dumb trashy reality show i mean what? it's not that trashy but it's What's on again peacock
0: dang peacock coming hey do you see ryan johnson's coming out with a new show on peacock this week what who's that <laughs> well you're you're like you're wiping his entire existence i thought you were just yep. doing his shows or his movies from a whore nope <laughs> So anyway, um yeah, I was yeah, <clears throat> something's going on with my throat lately. Um, but anyway, um yeah, it, it was weird going from Paul T. Goldman. I've I've been on a little bit of a serious kick. Um I watched Fleischman is in trouble, which I thought was great. And then what? that one scared me for some reason. That's um Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. Um Claire Danes. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and it's just like a adult drama. And I thought it was really, really good. Aww. Um yeah, there's a reason why I haven't talked to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then I watched Paul T. Goldman mm-hmm. and then I turned on The Last of Us mm-hmm. and it's like such a weird kind of whiplash, yeah. um, reaction. And it does, it did make me think that was the first thing that came into my mind is especially as I get older, I am being a little more thoughtful. You've known me for God, 20 years, more than 20 years, more than 20. 23 right So you know that there's a time in my life Where I literally Would watch everything And if Mm -hmm. you asked me Keith why do you want to go watch this I'd be like I have no idea I just I want to you know Mm -hmm. And now that I'm Older I'm like trying to be a little More intentional with my time You know I realized that I'm not I'm interested in all a, a lot of media. I don't just want to watch movies and TV. So when I turn on The Last of Us, I am like, what What am I looking for out of this show? Um, but I think for the la- for The Last of Us, I think I am interested in seeing like blockbuster television. I think the one thing that I took away from the first two episodes of The Last of Us is like we have become so conditioned to visual effects, like good visual effects, that I think I took for granted like just how good The Last of Us looks mm. as a show. Um, Interesting. You don't believe that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, you know, at this point, I don't... At this point, I think it might just be like a placebo effect. You know what I mean? It's. I think it's just. I, I. don't think the show looks bad by any means. Um, but because logically, I know what is what is real and what has to be fake in terms of like the set and backgrounds and stuff Practicals. like that. Pra- practical effects. It just, I just can't not see, I just can't see how fake it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I like, g- the backgrounds and the, the, the scenes in the second episode with are. With the Right. Cool, the cool idea, but it looks, it just looks fake. You know what I mean? And I can't get past that. It doesn't ruin the show for me. Like I said, I don't think it looks bad. And it doesn't ruin the show for me. But I cannot say that it looks good.
0: What about the monsters?
1: The monsters also have that, I guess we are talk specifically about the clickers. Mm -hmm. They have that thing about, that CGI thing about them where it's just like, Whenever there's something that's CGI or CGI monster something, it's like a little too shiny.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. A little too shiny. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'd like to I'd like to see you like I'd like to watch it with you for you to be like, there, that's what I mean. It's too shiny.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'll try and get a screenshot or something.
0: Yeah. Um for me, I think the problem that I'm interested in seeing them overcome is the basic problem of zombie narratives Mm -hmm. you need they need to be put in danger the way to stay out of danger is to be very careful and cautious of your surroundings so how do you repeatedly put them into dangerous situations Mm -hmm. without frustrating the audience Mm -hmm. who is just going to repeatedly be like don't go out the window don't go don't step there Mm -hmm. stop moving don't you know what I mean? Like zombie movies bring up an inherent like the protagonists need to put themselves in dangerous situations. Like more than once. And what yeah. is what is your threshold for protagonists putting themselves in dangerous situations?
1: Hold up. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, well that's kind of the premise of the show, right? They're traveling to the West Coast or wherever, so that's seems like it's probably going to be a lot of the first season is <laughs> them just walking through different dangerous situations.
0: Yeah, we we didn't... I didn't watch a lot of The Walking Dead, but but I will mm-hmm. say that that was the frustration with The Walking Dead, which th- the same narrative, oh, we're moving. Right. But there were still ample times where you're like, why are you going in that building? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that thing? And then, of course... One of them gets bit. Someone dies. Mm-hmm. But you can't shake the feeling of like, well, you kind of asked for it. You know? And, and I think that's just inherent in zombie narratives. And so it'll be interesting. I think it's it's also important. I think the one frustration from like The Walking Dead is that you had a cast larger than two. Mm-hmm. With this, you can care about these two characters and- be that your hook through all the tense scenes and stuff like that. With The Walking Dead, when there's 10 people, you just end up, mm-hmm. you, there's so much more room for frustration and, oh, I didn't care about that character anyway. And
1: Yeah, it's just a revolving door. It's
0: just a revolving door. You, you just don't care as much, right? Yeah. So I think that's probably how, and I know nothing about The Walking Dead story. I yeah. mean, not *No Walking Dead*. The Last, the last of Us. Of us. So I
1: was gonna say. I guess we should probably say neither of us have played the game. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So one thing I've got a couple of notes here. I guess one thing going back to why you watch the show, or I the 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 thing that's sort of seems to be the the biggest difference to me is thinking about comparing this *The Last of Us* with *Um White Lotus*. Mm. And oh the,
0: that, that's the other one another show that's like yeah more on the serious adult
1: tip. right and the reason i liked white lotus so much and what made white lotus so perfect for us to talk about is that it's it's saying a lot about its characters about society about politics you know what i mean there's a lot in there to sort of interpret and to give your own opinions on which is great not sure how we're going to do that with the last of us (laughs) because i don't see very uh i don't see a lot of uh you know insight or commentary in this story so far
0: yeah there there have been two episodes
1: and which is fine i'm not like I'm not taking that away from the show. I, I'm I've, I've really liked the first two episodes so far, yeah. but I don't know what to say about it outside of like, yeah, it's
0: good. The, the, the first two episodes I think haven't shown me anything I haven't seen before. Right. You know? So I think I'm trying to focus in on the quality of the show and remind myself what shows used to look like mm-hmm. when we were younger and watching back some stuff with, uh, my son, I'm looking at some of this stuff. I'm like, this sucks. This is terrible. This is bad. It looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and now watching Last of Us, I'm like, if I had this back when I was a kid, I'd lose my mind. It, it just looks so good and mm-hmm. immersive. You know what I mean? And the fact that that could be a TV show. Um, I don't want to lose sight of that. So I'm trying to focus in on that. I think the acting is really good. I think it looks great. What do you think about the girl? She has a super hard role. Uh (laughs) I think she's doing a really good job. Okay. I I get it. I think just like with Paul T. Goldman, stories like that, there's always going to be an element of exploitation. With characters like hers, there's always going to be an element of like annoyance.
1: Yeah. I thought she was really good in the second episode. I did not really like her that much in the first episode and i think there's a lot of this was something else We were, maybe it was the rick and morty guy the um justin Royland. high on life there's a an element it more so in the first episode than the second one of it of the every line of dialogue having a curse word in it mm-hmm. especially for the girl yeah um that is meant to be like... It's badass, man. Yeah, it's meant to be like this is an adult thing. It What it really reminds me of is like video game logic of like this isn't a video game for adults. And they're going to talk like adults. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that bugged me a little bit. But yeah. not so much in the second episode.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the second episode she got to do more stuff. But so far, yeah. I mean you get the... Uh, I'm going to take out a whole bunch and sacrifice myself. Mm-hmm. I got bit or the secret bite. Right. You know, you, you have like all these beats, but they're done <clears throat> really well. I did think about stuff like, you know, and, and again, I think with zombie stories, you're hyper aware of stuff. But It's like, did all the zombies have to come through the front door? With <laughs> all the zombies just ran to the building and some came in the back door. Like, But nope, Joel and uh, Ellie just get to, like, walk out the back. Dumb zombies. Yeah. And I don't know the story of the the video game, but I do like the rules they're setting up. I do like the idea that the fungus is underground, and there's Mm -hmm. a network, so you can step one place and awaken, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 zombies in another location. So, I like that, too, because another problem that I have with zombie narratives is how'd that zombie get there? Mm -hmm. You inevitably have them be like, okay, we're going to stay in this hospital. Everybody check it out. Okay, it's clear. Then that night, (laughs) a zombie just, like, shows up in a corner. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, I mean, sure. But also, how'd it get there? You know what I mean? And if you can't locate... The, the threat then it loses its potency you just expect it to be everywhere or to have it be like unseen and then show up mm-hmm. with this you do have a at least a story for when they're gonna be in danger or whatever okay they step somewhere and it send out these feelers so mm-hmm. again I, I hope that they build these rules so they can play within them not build these rules so then they can just ignore them and just put these characters in scary situations every episode, just so that we have that thrill. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I also like the fact that they went into the murky water and nothing happened. You know, I also Mm -hmm. thought about that in terms of set design, designing that set must've taken a lot of time Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to design all that, just to have the characters walk through it. And the director probably go, all right, next. Mm -hmm. And then you have to like break down that whole set. That probably kind of sucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it works well as a viewer because you're like, okay, they're not going to just... You're not going to be able to anticipate every setup yeah. of, a, of a scare. Well, yeah. And I guess now that
1: you mentioned it, one thing I do really like about it is it doesn't feel like a scary movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like a scary TV yeah. show. Like, you're not waiting to be jump scared. Yet, it is creepy and it's unsettling. It's too much for indie. Yeah. <clears throat> so I do like that. That That is something that feels um, mature, I guess.
0: I watched or thoughtful, maybe. I watched the first episode with the idea that maybe Indy could watch it with me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, so how was it? And I was like, yeah, I don't think it would be for you. And so I started describing it to him a little bit. And the part where he was like, Absolutely not. I'm good. No, thank you was when I explained how the old lady mm, when she mm-hmm. was eating mm-hmm. her daughter, I guess she the fungus was mm-hmm. like coming out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. and he was like, "Yeah,, I, I'm good." And yeah. I was like, yeah, that was like that's truly horrifying
1: <laughs> yeah the the fungus, the way the way it transmits, and the like the the kiss in the second episode at the end of the second episode. And like the way that they attack is like slow and purposeful is like genuinely upsetting and makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Like they found a, a that that feels a little bit that almost feels kind of like the um, like in like in twenty eight days later when. Danny Boyle introduced this brown groundbreaking idea of fast zombies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we can have zombies and we don't have to have them like rip people to shreds in 5 seconds for it to be scary or gross or whatever. We right. can do this. It's 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 it is great it's, and it is gross at the same time.
0: Um I also <clears throat> wanted to touch on the very opening of the whole show. Yes. So It starts with a flashback to, like, the 70s. Oh, the second
1: episode. or No, 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 the first first
0: episode. Very, very opening of the whole entire show. Oh, the talk show. Mm -hmm. And they have these two PhDs on there, I guess, talking about the next outbreak that could Mm -hmm. happen.
1: The next pandemic.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to... Pan,
1: because it affects
0: everybody. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to throw out a theory for why they started there
1: i was oh why they started the show there (coughs) as a side question i was going to ask you how interested you are in that x the explanation of why this is all happening
0: um yeah i mean so you you mentioned one thing that you liked about white lotus is how much you had to say about today our times people our age roughly um and uh, and all of that. Um, and how much is The Last of Us going to get to say? I feel like it's there in that opening sequence. Mm-hmm. This is also one of the showrunners did Chernobyl. Did you watch Chernobyl?
1: No. Okay.
0: Um, and so tell me if you think this is a bridge too far. Okay? All right. Like I'm reading into it a little bit. Okie dokie. So but he's gay. <laughs> so I'm not expecting those people to pop up in the show again. The
1: talk show people.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. They're dead. Sure. I would get everyone was smoking on that set. Mhm. So um so I think that that was just a way to intro the whole show. You yeah. know what I mean? Not setting up characters or anything like that. Why did they do the 60s here's my theory my theory is number 1 you couldn't have done it t- today what show would you have those people on mm-hmm. where they would be talking about that in a way where it would carry any weight or gravitas right mm-hmm. would they be on infowars or would they be <laughs> on a podcast right would they be talking to Anderson Cooper or Tucker Carlson, like number one, I think it shows the breakdown of our information age that you couldn't have a show or a panel that felt weighty today Mm -hmm. because that's not the way information is disseminated. Sure. Instead, if you want to do a modern day, it would be like, a series of tweets from these PhDs. <laughs> right. That are talking back and forth. It'd be a TED Talk. Not even, right? Even <laughs> te- like who gives a shit about TED Talks, right? Mm-hmm. So, number 1, I think that <laughs> How dare you? Number 2, I think it does set up the political idea <clears throat> and it's so to me it's so crazy that we're still here and not to get Totally politically sidetracked But I think you and I both agree That the political game Is basically Get voices out there To distract from real conversations Just have louder voices and platforms That will turn people against each other And get them focused on things that don't matter Like M&M's Like Trans people Like the education system, Mm -hmm. grooming your kids, Mm -hmm. all that. And we see that in the Crowder stuff, where this dude is being offered $50 million. (laughs) $50 million. And all he does is just say stuff to get him deplatformed from YouTube, and he's heralded as a brilliant mind, right, Mm -hmm. that's worth $50 million. Are you Kidding me? Like that that's how much money is is at stake for these people to have these worthless conversations, you know? And one aspect that's back on the table in a big way, which I I'm just like, is climate change. Right? Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like the tide had turned on climate change and people had gotten to a point of acceptance of like, yeah, you know, climate change is something to be concerned about or whatever? climate change denial kind of shifted in the public consciousness, kind of like, you know, well, they're trying to repeal, right, about um, gay marriage too, right? Where at some point the public consciousness shifted and it became like whether you're a Republican or Democrat, like, yeah, okay, like we're okay, we accept gay marriage, right? Mm -hmm. We maybe still don't accept a broad platform. Like now they're focused on, oh, it's trans people, right? Mm -hmm. We're not homophobic. We're against this insanity of trans inclusivity or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they they've like they've narrowed their focus. They're no longer just being broadly homophobic. And I felt like climate change had shifted. Am I wrong?
1: I, I've never felt that way.
0: You've never felt that. You felt like it's
1: always been a. a you, like, you mean that in in the sense that climate change being accepted as it is happening in the same way that. Gay marriage was sort of broadly accepted as gay people should allowed to be able to get married.
0: Right where where it's like <clears throat> even a Republican standing up and saying no, gay marriage is seen as fringe.
1: Right. No, I don't think that's ever happened for climate change.
0: Really? Okay. Mm-mm. Then then I'm totally off. But it shocked me that like again, <clears throat> latest round of these wackos getting paid fifty million dollars to guess what drum up all this rage against Greta Thunberg. Like, oh, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my whole point is to say that it's a short-sighted focus. And there, there's enough clips out there. One of them is viral, right, where uh, Ben Shapiro's like, yeah, if sea levels rise and it floods your home, just sell and yeah. move inland. It's like sell your home to who? What right. are you talking about? and that short sightedness is also addressed in this in this show where these people are talking about it in the sixties when does it actually come into effect like thirty years later, right like you you can be mm-hmm. you can be mm-hmm. alarmed about something. That is not happening. Like as you speak, you could you could be raising yeah. issues that are like twenty five years from now things are going to be in a tough spot, mm-hmm. and maybe if you <clears throat> had focused more on that, you could have anticipated it better, right? Mm-hmm. Long winded explanation of the political for why
1: they pre- specifically framed the opening as they did,
0: why they framed it in the sixties and the political kind of foundation that the show could be sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, I, i I did not, I, I didn't give it that much thought. Um, but that makes sense. And I think, you know, it's going to depend largely on what they do with the rest of the show. If the rest of the show is just like how the first two episodes have been, then I would assume that that, choice was just a random choice. (laughs) Uh, But if they start to explore different ideas like that, then sure. Um, Speaking of openings, I thought the opening to the second episode was also really good with the Indonesian woman. Yeah. And specifically the, I think it's the end of it where the guys asking her what they should do. Mm -hmm. And there's a long pause. And I was expecting a very generic, like, pray, right? But she just said, bomb everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Damn, all right. I'm on board.
0: And it seemed like she's saying, like, her too, right? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. like Yeah, because she said, "Let, let me go home and be with my family.
0: Now, do you think she's saying that because she is accepting that the future is going to be more horrific than being bombed? Or that she feels like the spread could have already affected her.
1: Uh. I. Oh. Well. I thought I took it as she's saying is like that's the the only way they're going to the only chance that they're going to have at stopping the spread of it it would be to just bomb the entire city.
0: But then why wouldn't she be like oh and I'll I'll take a helicopter flight out? With, for well, yeah, me and my because
1: family. yeah, because she's either already infected or you know that's not practically speaking it's not you know they don't have time they have to do it now
0: my my thinking is is that she has accepted that the world is going to fall in the chaos sure and she'd rather her family die together mm-hmm. than experience what joel has experienced
1: yeah uh are you specifically interested in them explaining what has caused this thing to happen Didn't they do that already?
0: Mm, they've hinted at it. The, the man in Jakarta said that it, f- the first outbreak was in a
1: grain a factory, a grain or something factory
0: like that. And, and she's like, oh yeah, that's a good. That'd be a good, mm-hmm. um, you know, place for these cordyceps to grow. So I mean, isn't. It, That it? Do you you think there could be anything? Well, there
1: was a theory on the subreddit. Um, Again, no idea how this applies to the game. I know that in the game, it's spores. It's not like a fungus. Is that different? Spores and fungus? It's airborne. In the game, it's airborne. Uh, This Reddit post says, the infection likely started through tainted flower. I rewatched the episode. This was posted after the first episode. And I think people were infected by the flour through yeast, which is another type of fungus. Sarah didn't make the pancakes in the morning because she forgot the mix. Joel didn't eat the biscuits the neighbors offered him because he was on Atkins. Sarah didn't eat the cookies because they were raisin instead of chocolate chip. And Joel forgot the birthday cake. So so the entire first episode is just like bead after bead of them refusing flour in some way or another.
0: What, what I like about this theory is that it's not even like, don't eat the flour from this company. It's just like, no, literally every piece of flour is tainted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like doesn't matter if you biscuits, pancakes, cake, like it, it's all bad. Yeah. Uh,
1: another comment I found from the uh, subreddit that I thought was really interesting going back to the clicker scene Is oh there we go. Uh, Somebody pointed out how uh, they liked how the uh, realistic the characters' gun skills were Mm. because if you go back to that clicker scene, it's not they're they're missing a lot of shots Mm -hmm. or they're shooting them in like the body um, when you would assume they're trying to shoot them in the head, which eventually they do. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting too.
0: Yeah, they're not gamers. Um, (laughs) Um. I would love to what would you think generally speaking an outbreak like last of us happens how do gamers fare as a quadrant do you think their gaming actually instills in them any skills that are useful or do you think they immediately die because they think they have the skills and they do not at all. Like gun skills,
1: you mean, or just like survivability skills?
0: Survivability skills. Like Mm. if you could, after a Last of Us type outbreak, if you could then crunch the numbers, go into the analytics, and you like just separate out the population, like, okay, how'd the gamers do? Are they ranking in the top? Or are I they think ranking the problem the with
1: that is ga- a gamer is such a diverse group of people that y- you can't. It's just so different. One thing that playing Call of, the call, latest Call of Duty has taught me is that 99% of the people yeah, <laughs> that play games are not like me and they're not like each other. I've been playing with randoms recently and it's like you run into the most self-serious people you'll ever find and i would imagine those people to be the very first ones to die in a in a situation like this because yeah they're grossly overestimating themselves but then you also run into like a 12 year old who's just playing with their dad you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and it just is like um One thing, let's see. I had a couple notes uh, about the episodes. I had a sort of larger question about the show in general. Maybe we'll close with that. So I'll get a couple things out of the way. I really liked the um, just the whole like vibe of the whole opening ep. Uh, the first episode. Mm-hmm. What just the whole? Um, I guess as soon as the. Uh, apocalypse starts basically. They just did a really great job of nailing that feeling of like the world is ending and we're just rushing through this thing and it just it really reminded me of the opening to War of the Worlds that I just watched a few months ago. Um and I don't I'm not don't know how to describe it exactly, but I thought they did a really good job with that. And I guess from what I've heard too that is also very uh closely mirrors how the game plays
0: out. I think there's like so really quickly can we touch on what's your feeling on an adaptation of a that, game? That that was my
1: big question. Oh, what's, okay, so we'll what what is the that? what is the point of in of an adaptation in general and what is the point specifically of adapting The Last of Us which is already 99% a movie or a TV show? into an actual TV show. You know what I mean? This is a larger conversation that we've had going on for years at this point, but it's like the... the My interpretation of The Last of Us, the video game, is it's a shitty movie, right? It's not an amazing game. It's a crappy movie. It's like a bad <laughs> facsimile of a movie. The, the best that it can be... Is a, is a bad copy of a movie, right? Because you just have these scenes where it's like computer characters are acting out some scene and then you, you play a game in between that.
0: Having not played it, I can't speak to that. Yeah, I just mean like... I just mean like philosophically, I guess. You're like the Roger Ebert. like games aren't art
1: no that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying video games are a very specific medium and a lot of times what gets elevated as art and video game culture are video games that are just trying to be interactive movies Mm -hmm. which is all the last of us is maybe it's a great game whatever i don't care my point is that a large part of that game is just watching cutscenes, right? Cutscenes that are at their best just trying to be a movie. It's will- like the whole part of a video, the whole point of a video game is that I can play it and I can do things while I'm playing it.
0: Again, I don't I haven't played Last of Us, so I don't know. Is that the way it is? Is it truly just a bunch of cutscenes? Yeah, or, it's, or is it more like like I would say Red Dead Redemption Two? The way the guys on the
1: besties described it is, it's a bunch of puzzles where you figure out how to put a ladder up and then you watch a cutscene. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're shooting stuff and there's combat and all that. But yeah,
0: because like in in my mind, I can only relate it to, and my my son's playing through Red Dead Redemption Two again. You know, just fully enjoying and exploring the game. And one thing that that game does amazingly well is melds its storytelling and its gameplay much more, like, directly. And what that means is the pace of the game is much slower than what people, I think, want because normally you would expect cutscene time, Mm -hmm. five-minute cutscene, and instead Red Dead 2 is like, nope, ride your horse, Mm -hmm. you know, five minutes that way. Um, and talk to this person so and then in, encounter people along there like that's that's the whole nature of that story so i don't know if last of it, so i guess taking it based on your word and like other people played it yeah then then my feeling would be like what you're saying is why not just collect all the cutscenes? that's
1: the tv show and that's
0: the tv show yeah um I mean, there are
1: you can pull scenes like you know all of the talk or a lot of the talk about the show is how great how great a job it does of recreating the video game, but it's like, well, what's the point of that?
0: The the thing that I would never want to do on a philosophical level is commit to a adaptation of a video game because to me, you're doing a thankless job yeah there's no winning people are either gonna say well this is just the the game or they're gonna say this isn't the game at all Mm -hmm. it's like then why why are you calling the last of us Mm -hmm. um instead i think what you have to do is what they're doing which to me feels like they're all i've seen i haven't really read a lot of like articles but i've seen stuff where it's like easter eggs of tons of easter eggs for game players there are moments in the in the show where I think oh that I bet that's in the game. There's you know?
1: a moment in the first episode where they drive into town, right? And they get rear-ended or something and it's a scene and they get like rear-ended and immediately Tommy and Joel and Sarah are separated by this burning vehicle. And Joel and Sarah are trapped in oh, an alleyway. Totally- yeah. And it's like, this is straight from
0: a video game. I've seen
1: this in a million video games. Right.
0: Like you're telling me one of those businesses, right? Nick? you can't just walk <laughs> right. through that broken window and then out the back yeah. or side entrance. Yeah. Where he's like, I'll find a way around. I'll meet you at the, <laughs> right. at the exactly. river. Yeah, so okay, exactly, stuff like that. Where it's like I think you have to give people the game, but then I think you need to understand where to make your changes. And again, what's interesting is this is a narrative of two characters. Mm-hmm. So doesn't seem like there's a lot to modulate there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they seem to be doing a good job of not giving everyone just the game and yet still giving people enough of the game, you know, mm-hmm. is that, is that your feeling too? Like, yeah, like, definitely. like, I'm not seeing a lot of people upset mm-hmm. at this show. I'm seeing right. a lot of people who are like, you know, they're, they're, they're happy with it. Mm hmm. So, to me, it seems like they're doing a really good job of walking that line and changing the right things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Again, I don't know points in the narrative that are good. Like, I'm connected to the show. I'm not, like, hooked yet. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. But I, I am enjoying it. Yeah, I guess...
1: I agree what I'm seeing is basically everybody that loves the game is being like man they're doing such a great job of representing the game and then all the comments I see on Reddit are like man or or someone will even post like screen caps from the game and from the TV show side by side. And they're the exact same. And I just can't help but think like, well, what's the, what's the point? Why are you even, why are we making the TV show? If that's, if you're just like recreating this thing and I get it to an extent, I guess it's a bit of an arbitrary question, but I don't know. Something about that just bothers me on a molecular level. I just, it just needles me a little bit, yeah. you know? Cause it's like, well, I just don't get it. Why? Why are we even doing this?
0: The one thing that I don't get is I don't get, the na- I want somebody to explain to me. I will listen to a podcast that is explicitly going to explain to me the what is going on in the field of entertainment and gaming. And like we've just seen a whole lot of layoffs across mm-hmm. a lot of different sectors of like game, entertainment, journalism, gaming really seems to just have been going through it for a few years now, mm-hmm. where whether you're uh, a company making games or definitely a site covering games, doesn't seem to be good out there for any of those people. I don't understand because gaming as a sector has never been bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Like, more people game today than have, like, ever gamed. Mm -hmm. So the industry seems to just be exploding. And then all you get, or all I feel like you get, are, like, HBO pulling shows, HBO canceling stuff, Netflix canceling, Netflix can't keep subscribers, you know? Like, Mm. why? why? I don't understand... How, like, so The Last of Us comes along and it gets greenlit because it seems to, I think, be a cross section and it seems to be a safe bet. But when you look in depth at all the sectors that it's trying to pull in, they all seem in like complete upheaval right now. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. I just want to better understand. Is it truly that just like the companies that are over these industries are just not willing to sacrifice? their paychecks and they're just like no our growth sector says that we should be making that that my bonus should be 50 million this year instead of 25 <laughs> right. million last year yeah. so however we need to make that happen that's how we're going to happen or like is what what what's going on like what's going on with subscribers to these even these streaming services like hbo right is not doing well Hmm. As a streaming service. Like, no streaming service is doing well, right? Well, again, I mean,
1: you know, doing well is relative, right? Doing well in terms of, you know, American capitalism where your line has to keep going up. I guess they're probably not. With that being said, they're all making literally billions of dollars. So I don't know I how they're not saying, doing well. Understand. Yeah, I just
0: <laughs> want someone to break it down for me. And again, I know, like, this year they're saying that the Xbox Game Pass is going to go up and all this stuff. But I know that... Xbox brought in pro. I know they made profit mm-hmm. last oh,
1: year. Oh, yeah. Game Pass is literally making billions of dollars. There's, you know. It's
0: um, so depressing. Yeah. So that's the other thing, though. When I watch Last of Us, it just depresses me about the whole industry. Because I know some people are like, excuse me, this is the best we got, right? Yeah. This is the best shot we have to, to have a hit. But The Last of Us seems to be a hit. Right, lots of people are tuning in. Yeah,
1: that's what there. I saw something on the subreddit saying the 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 premiere episode broke some record for HBO, and then the second episode broke a record for like viewer pickups. Like more people watched the second episode from the first episode than they've ever had before, or something.
0: It's time we get a piece of this pie.
1: I think part of the thing that bothers me, too, about all this adaptation stuff is it's, it's kind of like the Marvel comic book stuff where, for, for whatever reason, movies and, at this point, probably TV shows are kind of viewed as the the highest form of art or whatever mm-hmm. or the, the most um, val- validated. <clears throat> and so, when you get an adaptation like this, it's like, see... It validates my like for video games because look at how mature they can be and how smart they can be and how meaningful and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, just let the game stand on its own. Just be happy with the video game. You know what I mean? You don't need a TV need show extra, yeah, to validation. validate it, right? If yeah. it's good, it's good.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And I feel like it goes back to, again, like why do I watch? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think in my in my estimation – I think I would still say, I don't think that it's um, controversial for Martin Scorsese to say, like, Marvel are theme rides, like, theme mm-hmm. park rides. And, like, that's what Last of Us is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would I would give a hundred Last of Uses for, like, two more seasons of White Lotus or mm-hmm. Fleischman is in trouble or, you know, something that I think more broadly has no other touch point than, you know, it's characters, and therefore what it says about us, whereas The Last of Us, like you said, has like a remove of, oh, that's a game, and the game is speaking to a, you know, to an abstraction of culture and Mm -hmm. political points, but by no means is like directly addressing any one issue mm-hmm. you know even if you want to say well there's a basis there for commentary on climate change and kind of the the, the breakdown of information mm-hmm. um and stuff like that but um uh, and and fascism totalitarianism that obviously i think is going to come through i have not i don't know the narrative but i imagine i'm imagining like a we we've referenced it here, like twenty eight days later type narrative, where you get to where you think you're safe, and nope, you just walked right into another bad military run situation. Mm-hmm. You know? That I think there's going to be opportunities for them to like deepen their narrative as we go on. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited, but I'm not expecting that. I am expecting just the like a good. A good ride.
1: Yeah. Um the last thing I'll say the I'll say one last thing about The Last of Us and then I want to say one more thing about the uh story in video games. Uh the last thing I have to say about The Last of Us is that Fireflies is the lamest name Damn. for a rebel group you could have. Right.
0: I agree. It's terrible. F- Wait, are they the fireflies or the fire lights? The fireflies. Wouldn't firelight be better?
1: I mean, it's not that much better. I don't think firelight lights. doesn't even that mean. I don't, that doesn't mean anything. It's
0: the light coming from a fi- this fire on my Molotov I cocktail. Yes.
1: Sure. Um,
0: what if? Okay, I'm gonna try and really quickly think of a oh, what's your name to make it better. So instead of, what if, instead of the fireflies, Mm -hmm. they were the, um, DD mega doo (laughs) doo. The flower petals.
1: Yeah. I mean, they might as well be the flower power.
0: The flower powers. Uh,
1: so one last thing I'll say about the video games. and
0: Isn't flower power that gives you fire power in Mario? Yeah,
1: there you go. Perfect. That would have worked better. Uh, there was a tweet. Someone shared a tweet about The Last of Us that was like, you know, really like the first episode of The Last of Us. But I thought the scene where Joel gets trapped in a grocery store with three clickers and he has his head ripped off thirty times in a row was a little unrealistic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and again, I know a lot of this is arbitrary, and a lot of it is, I guess, unavoidable, unavoidable, but it's like <clears throat> that is the story that that's kind of that's the issue I have with trying to tell a traditional movie style story with the video game mm. is that you have these, you have a story that has a start and a finish. You have these cut scenes that are basically mimicking movie scenes. And then in between that, you have your main character getting decapitated 30 times in a row, mm-hmm. or you have just five hours of like running through a city that kind of has nothing to do with the story or is doesn't really, uh, correlate one-to-one to the story. Mm-hmm. And it just is very, like, it's just very arbitrary. You know what I mean? Whereas, th- that, it, so that to me is kind of like the weaknesses of telling a traditional story in a video game. You can do it, obviously, by all means. Do whatever you want to do. But that type of stuff turns me off. Mm. Whereas what I find to be the, the strength of telling stories in a video game is something like unpacking. Right, there is no traditional story in unpacking.
0: It's environmental.
1: It's all environmental. It's literally every single thing you do in that game creates the story for yourself.
0: You know what I yeah. mean? Like d- <clears throat> that character goes to school to get a divorce, right? I think that that is. They, is in they there.
1: I don't think maybe they get divorced. Yeah, I think they so. have some sort of breakup. They become a lesbian, right? And it's like you go through all these stages, and you're you're just sort of. Making it up as you go along. But there's bones of a story there. And the only way that story can be told is by playing the video game. Mm-hmm. You can't tell that story in that way with a movie or with a book or with a graphic novel or whatever.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I, <clears throat> another strength of... The other thing that somebody said today, I think I was watching, they are like, the video game culture is new. Like it's newer than film, Mm -hmm. and I never thought about it that way. That there's still so much to be explored in video games that nobody has thought of yet, and I think that you see the previous generation of creators were their highest goal was to make film on a video game, Mm -hmm. like that was their their goal yeah now you see like whether it's inscription or even immortality no that didn't work for a lot of people Mm -hmm. but you have people who are exploring the medium from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and their goal is not film it's to interact with Film ideas, game ideas, and mush it in together and make something new. Like, I've never played a game like Immortality before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've never played a game like exactly like Inscription before. Um, and that gets me really excited. So, I think The Last of Us probably, if I were to guess, and I, and I hope this is true, kind of represents maybe the pinnacle of that goal Mm -hmm. and that now people will look to make games that tell a whole different new narrative. Like you said, where you can't point to film as a corollary, like like with the last of us Mm -hmm. where we'll, we'll be like, no, you have to play this game because yeah, you you can't see it. You can't see it Mm -hmm. any other way. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's VR. I don't think VR is going to do that for us. (laughs) I yeah. think game makers are going to have to find a new way to for people to engage with story uh-huh. um, in games.
1: Nothing is going to pick up that you have to put when you have to put something on your head and wear it to experience yeah. it. It
0: just is never going to happen. Did, did you see Microsoft? Part of their layoffs was the entire VR department, really? including <laughs> AR and Google Glass or wow. whatever. Like or X what was it, Xbox. Yeah. They Microsoft is completely out of augmented reality, virtual mm-hmm. reality. Yeah, I don't think that's the future either. I do think we're gonna have like smart homes mm-hmm. where literally our entertainment is gonna be like built into the structure. Sure, and so it'll just be like this whole wall can be a screen. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that's. Probably yeah, it's what gonna are. be more like. Was it her? Yeah.
1: Where he's, it's like the game is being projected into his living room. Yeah. And he's just interacting with it as himself or whatever.
0: And it was a walking sim, right, that he was playing? Yeah, who Probably knows? Probably something more like that, too. <clears throat> All right. Oh, the other thing I want to say, world building. I went back and uh, over 100% at Hollow Knight. Oh, really? Yeah. I just had to go back. I'm excited about Silk Song. Mm-hmm. But if you think about another thing that video games can do that's hard for other mediums to do is world build. Mm-hmm. Like Hollow Knight does. Yeah. Hollow Knight has such an amazing lore and world building and there's so much you can put into your games that cannot be put in any other medium. Mm-hmm. Um I don't even think books I think Hollow Knight as a book would just be a tome that no one could read. Mm-hmm. But in a video game, you can just do these little touches and hints and mysteries, build out this whole world. Man, Hollow Knight is such a good game, mm-hmm. and I'm excited for it. Well, and the other it's thing, song. too,
1: that makes, uh, that makes that feel so much more personal, even if ultimately you're getting the same story as everybody else is that you are getting it in, you know, an order that is specific to you, right? The order that you're finding it. Uh, Which is, again, something that is unique to the way you tell a story in a video game. Or the way you can tell a story. All
0: right, so who's gonna say Who's gonna say it this week? Oh yeah. I want pancakes. I love you. From a whore.
1: Love you guys.